You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. We're talking with Dr. Frank Milner about contemporary adhesive strategies. Dr. Milner maintains a full-time practice in St. Paul, Minnesota, emphasizing appearance-related dentistry. He is the co-founder of the Minnesota Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, a regular speaker on VivaLearning.com, and lectures extensively within the U.S. Armed Forces, as well as internationally on the subject of direct composite restorations, shade selection, and porcelain materials. Dr. Milner, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Pleasure to be with you, Phil. Yeah, we really appreciate your time, and you've done some fantastic stuff for, for Viva Learning, as far as we're concerned, with your webinars, and it's been highly watched and uh, very well appreciated. So can we begin by you defining the term immediate dent and sealing? Well, Phil, immediate dent and sealing may not be a mainstream topic, but what it is is you have to go backwards first into the sensitivity, and that's the result of um, exposed dentinal tubules. And I'll even go back further before my time in dental school, and this was Brandstrom. And there were two sort of uh, two basic uh, solutions to dentin hypersensitivity, including paint and tubules to reduce stimulus-evoked fluid flow, or reducing the interdental nerve excitability so the nerves do not respond to the stimulus-evoked fluid movements. Now that's long-winded, but basic immediate dentin sealing is sealing the dentin right after you prep it, whether you're going to be doing operative dentistry. We do this all the time, but when you're doing crown and bridge fill, and for all the listeners out there, once you decontaminate the surface with chlorhexidine or anything else, then you put your seventh generation bonding agent, paint a thin coat on there. You're sealing the tubules. Each square millimeter fill has 10 to 30,000 dentinal tubes, so what you're doing is creating a hybrid layer right on the spot to decrease the sensitivity. You're, you're emulating the dentinal enamel junction, creating the hybrid layer at preparation. Um, that's the long-winded answer. What is immediate dentin sealing? So this, this is a procedure that you recommend being done for all restorative, direct restorative procedures? Well, you're doing that right away, Phil, because when you do selective etching, and you're putting phosphoric phosphoric acid on enamel, you're still going to be putting your dentin bonding agent on all dentin surfaces anyways. Mm -hmm. So that is immediate dentin sealing on operative. The term really applies is germane to the crown preparation where most dentists don't create the hybrid layer and the you can get uh, microleakage. If you have short provisionals where you don't get the marginal capture, you can avoid sensitivity issues. Um, there's, there's a lot of benefits, especially when you're doing crown and bridge. Right. Okay. So for indirect pre- restorations as well, it's obviously a very important step to minimize post-operative sensitivity. So we've all heard the terms total etch, selective etch, and self-etch. Can you briefly tell us what each of these terms mean? Well, I'm going to date myself now because I've been a dentist coming up on 43 years. I came from no etch. I think I lived in Bedrock, USA at that point. But we came through total etch, Phil, as most dentists know, and that's where the uh, smear layer and the dentinal tubes were completely opened up by phosphoric acid. And there were a lot of uh, sensitivity issues because there was no uh, standardization, how much wet, how much dry, how much rinse. Uh, how much air, 
And so when you do a total etch, you're not only uh, etching with phosphoric acid all the enamel margins that you're going to incorporate into your restoration, but you're also etching and demineralizing all dentin surfaces, all tissue um, in the dentin. That's total etch. That's the gold standard in vitro, not in vivo. So that's why the fifth generation, sixth, seventh, and now eighth generations of dentin bonding agents are in our dental profession because there's simplicity, less steps. Now, I told you what total etch was, and you can't etch the dentin the same amount of time as you etch the enamel. But when you get into selective etch, you can uh, certainly have a 30-second <clears throat> etch on all enamel margins. You can rinse, you can dry, or keep the dentin damp, and then you put your dentin bonding agent on all surfaces to be restored. If you're doing self-etching, Phil, and for all listeners, now you're not using phosphoric acid at all. You're just placing a probably a seventh generation dentin bonding agent with an acidic monomer that has a low enough pH to get in and etch the enamel and a high enough pH to not open up the dentinal tubes, but just remove the smear plugs. You see, adhesion is the most important layer of any restoration. Right. That was actually my next question was to ask you about the adhesion layer and, and tell us about why that is so important to every restoration. Well, you always walk it backwards. And here's why I say that is that a lot of dentists, and I used to do this for decades, used to take things apart, disassemble a tooth, and then we say, okay, now let's see, what uh, what, etch, what dentin bonding agents should I use and what materials should I use? Well, it should be the other way around. Once you have understood your final restoration, you walk it back to what are your preparation guidelines, um, what, are, what tissues are you involving, how deep are these tissues in the tooth, and that predicates the dentin bonding agents you're going to use. After the dentin bonding agents, it all falls into line, but you've got to walk it back. You've got to begin with the end in mind, Phil, on everything I do. Unfortunately, uh, this happened uh, later in my career versus earlier, but any young dentist out there, believe me and trust me on this one, is the first thing you want to do after you determine what kind of preparations and materials you're using is you determine your adhesive adhesive strategies. So is there a big difference between the different materials? I know the seventh generation, the universal adhesive, can you just enlighten us a little bit about the confusion out there on these materials? Well, um, the confusion will always be there because when we're trying to get faster, easier, better results, uh, I, th I think we just have to take a pause here and step on the brakes, take a step back and look at this because when we start looking at all these universal bonds, it does everything. Uh, you don't even have to open up the cap. It just flies out of the bottle and goes <laughs> right on the tooth perfectly. Um, you have to remember, is, is this a product that needs refrigeration? Are you using unidose or are you using bottles? And if you're using bottles every time you open up the cap, and squeeze, you're going to imbibe air into that, which is going to commingle with the monomers and the chemistries involved. So unidose is what I like best, fresh dosage every time, and you only break it open before you 
immediately place it on the tooth so it's not sitting out in the air and the monomers um, evaporating. The next part of that, Phil, is that what is your, your monomer? Are you ethyl alcohol? Are you acetone, uh, malic acid? Uh, you have to determine w what your monomers are. Um, uh, this also determines your adhesive strategies on the, the volatility of the monomer. Um, mm -hmm. When you're using an acetone chaser in these, this is very volatile, so you don't need as much airstream to thin thin it down to get down to a five to ten micron um, film thickness. So, once again, we're going back to chemistry on this one, and uh, you have to understand the chemistries in these bottles. When the manufacturers do try to market these universal adhesion systems and their unidose, are they um, marketing it? correctly and, and fairly to say that using this universal adhesive will pretty much be applicable to any direct or indirect restorative procedure? Well, we have to be careful because our sponsors and the manufacturers are depending on product sales into our profession. Number one, does it need refrigeration? Okay. Number two, does it need a uh, dual cure activator? This word universal is got to be careful on this one because they can slide things under the door. Is it truly universal? Sure, if you use a dual care activator, sure, if you keep it in the refrigerator, all these other caveats, you just you have to be careful because if you don't pay attention, if you don't read the instructions and the clinical indications and the protocols, this universal bonding agent may not do what you want. You may go backwards and get the either demonding issues, uh, retention issues, or sensitivity issues. Right. So you really have to understand the etching technique, like you described, the total etch versus selective versus self, and then understand the materials and how they are stored and how they're used, um, all these considerations, and obviously the kind of tooth preparation that you have left to work with, You know whether there's any enamel at all, or is it all dentin? All this stuff comes into play. So what is the difference between adhering to enamel and adhering to dentin? Uh, great question. Adhering to enamel is God sent. Hydroxyapatite, when you can adhere to enamel, you got, that's your Achilles heel, especially in the class fives. Uh, you have to leverage your enamel. In, from a mechanical engineering standpoint, Phil, you have to leverage enamel uh, adhesion uh, against dentin bonding adhesion because dentin bonding adhesion is not as uh, robust as enamel. So maximize your enamel adhesion and how are you going to do that? Through preparation by doing re-engineering of the enamel preparation guidelines into radius bevels, things like that to instead of doing butt joints and slot and groove preparations like GB Black, those are called tension joints. And when you do mechanical engineering, what you're going to do is create a radius of enamel outside the uh, preparation, uh, and that's what's going to hold the whole thing together. So save the enamel. Um, uh, make sure that you treat the enamel. You can't over-etch it, per se. 30 seconds is good. You can't over-dry it. It's when, Denton, when Denton's and all fell, that's when the game changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no question about that. Enamel's your best friend. If, if you have it, work with it. 
So um, we covered quite a bit of stuff. Is there anything you'd like to add about um, this topic of contemporary adhesive strategies? It's a little bit confusing to the young dentists coming in, and some of the dentists that have been around a while are also confused. You know, you can't blame them. There's a lot of different marketers out there all claiming to have products that are the magic bullet. So you just have to really understand some of the things that you mentioned. And anything else, any other advice before we wrap up this podcast? Well, I would. Uh, I'm on my soapbox especially for the young dentist. I'm going to call Old Testament, New Testament. First of all, thou shall not uh, apply dentin bonding agents unless you understand the exact chemistry, the clinical indications, uh, how much product is left in the bottle, what is your, your carrier, your solvent. So the Old Testament is addressing the needs of the dentin enamel separately, even though it might be a universal bond. Dentin enamel are different tissues. New Testament is come up with a standardizing clinical protocol so you can optimize your adhesion opportunities. That's very long-winded. means you better know your stuff mm-hmm. when you do adhesion. Do not take adhesion lightly. Do yeah. not. Now, you have some webinars on Viva Learning, Dr. Milner, right? Uh, do they address some of these bonding techniques and adhesive, adhesive uh, protocols? Well, I think I've done about 19 webinars with Viva Learning, and I think um, there's got to be some overlapping (laughs) adhesions there. So I think if you scour through the webinars, most likely, because, yes, like bulk fill will be another topic. Um, Bulk fill has adhesion, and we go through different adhesive layers with that. I think composite's another topic we're going to talk about. That's adhesion in there. Um, Sure. Okay, so that's good. So, yeah, the answer is uh, a definite yes on that one. All right, well, Dr. Milner, we appreciate your time on this webinar, on this uh, podcast, excuse me, and we're going to be talking to you shortly about the basics of bulk fill composites. That's the next podcast we have set up for you, and we're looking forward to that one. So, again, thanks very much for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. It's been my pleasure, Phil. Thank you very much. 